get right to it. American fascism is the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. So when you think of the word fascism, you think Hitler, Mussolini, Franco in Spain, uh, and the criminals who ran Japan before World War II. All right wing, um, but now the word has taken on a different meaning because it is the left in America that has embraced fascism. First, the definition. Let's take a look at it. Quote, a political system headed by a dictator in which the government controls business and labor and opposition is not permitted. So it is apparent to any thinking person that is what the progressive left wants in this country, a form of fascism. And there is no doubt about that if you follow the news every night. Now, let me give you some examples recently of fascist behavior. So in West Virginia, uh, there is a Catholic church, St. Coleman. Uh, it is a historic place. It was burned to the ground this, week, this weekend after Roe v. Wade was announced. They attacked and burned St. Coleman Catholic Church to the ground. So uh, the authorities in West Virginia um, have many arrests. So they, you know, I guess they're investigating. They have to be, right? How about the Mother and Child Education Center, Portland, Oregon? Um, Saturday, June 25th, a group of black-clad marchers turned violent in that city, smashing windows, scrawling graffiti on downtown businesses, and it was all in reply to the Supreme Court ruling. How about the Life Choices Pregnancy Center? Okay, this was in uh, Longmont, Colorado. And authorities there are investigating a fire at a pregnancy center that was uh, not burned to the ground, but badly damaged. And uh, this pregnancy center did do abortion counseling as well as adoption counseling. So it wasn't like they were shutting out uh, abortion. They were giving information about post-abortion support, all of that but they were a pro-life-centered um, enterprise. And finally, uh, there are dozens of other examples around the country of fascist progressives doing violence. And uh, don't expect many arrests. Don't expect many. Portland, Oregon, you think those people are going to be arrested? They're not. Now, West Virginia, you would think that they would be. Colorado, I'm not sure. But, uh, you know... Just like the leaker in the Supreme Court, I'm not expecting any uh, Justice Department revelations there. I hope I'm wrong. But you know as well as I do that the progressive left does not enforce the law unless it's a law they like. So in addition to the violence, now we have lawsuits, and that's okay. Lawsuits, that doesn't come under the heading of fascism. So let me wrap up the Talking Points memo with, again, reminding you, fascism is not just on the far right. It's now being embraced by the far left. So, uh, in uh, Louisiana and Utah, there have been legal action, and uh, the trigger laws against abortion are temporarily blocked there. In Arizona, the Center for Productive, Reproductive Rights uh, filed an emergency uh, motion to block a trigger law there. Uh, California is going to put abortion on the ballot to try to get it into the state constitution. Um, that's okay. 
I mean, it doesn't affect what's going to happen with uh, Roe v. Wade because California and New York and Illinois have the most extreme abortion laws in the world, as we told you last night. Not just a country, in the world. So California abortion laws are like China and Russia. You kill a baby, unborn, whatever, you, whatever description. Okay? At will, anytime, any reason. All right, in Idaho, Texas, and Mississippi, lawsuits have been filed, but not in South Dakota so far, as far as we know. So South Dakota does have a trigger law, and it is very uh, anti-abortion. And uh, it has uh, been put into effect. Now the Supreme Court made its ruling, and it says that there is no longer abortion in South Dakota except to preserve the life of the mother. So joining us now from New York City, where she is promoting her brand new book out today, is the governor of South Dakota, Christy Nome. The book is called Not My First Rodeo, Lessons from the Heartland. We're going to get to that book. Uh, I haven't read it, but I've read an extensive outline of it. I know Ms. Uh, Nome, the governor, a little bit, not a lot, but, you know, I know her background, know what she's accomplished there in South Dakota. So first of all, let's get to this uh, South Dakota Supreme Court situation. Your vision is abortion should be legal in South Dakota to protect the life of a mother. What about rape and incest? Well, the trigger law that was passed in South Dakota in 2005 uh, really envisioned a day when Roe might be overturned uh, and said that specifically uh, it would, uh, you know, abolish abortion in the state of South Dakota except preserve the life of the mother. Rape and incest were not addressed in the statute at that time, and so that is not law today. And really what this law does is it does not go after mothers. It does not go after women. What it does is prosecute doctors who knowingly violate the law and perform abortions. It would go after them and punish them. So, All right. so continue, along sure with Senator John Thune, you are the most powerful politician in South Dakota. Your vision counts among not only South Dakotans, but Americans. You've been actually talked about as a presidential candidate. So your vision is in South Dakota, abortions would be allowed if the life of the mother, a catastrophic health situation, and it would have to be affirmed by doctors, I'm sure, uh, is um, in question. But rape and incest, what do you, Governor Nome, would you want to have a law that allows abortion in those cases? Would you? No, I, I mean, I wouldn't, Bill. I think I'd rather see us walk alongside those mothers in crisis, get them the kind of support, help, mental and, and physical um, treatment that they may need after a tragedy like that. I just can't even imagine what they've gone through. But I also have just never been a believer that a tragedy should be perpetuated or followed up by another tragedy. And we know so much more about what happens to these babies uh, in the womb, the development, the science has shown us the pain that they feel. Uh, and so in South Dakota, I think that where we stand as far as our law today is somewhere that I'd like to see it remain, and, but see us much more focused on supporting these women, especially in an unplanned pregnancy or a crisis situation to where now, we are helping. Would that support extend to the state of South Dakota helping women who don't agree with you if they're raped and uh, or a victim of incest, going to another state to have an abortion, would South Dakota help with that? 
I would not support that. Um, I'm, I can't speak for my legislators. I can't speak for others in the state, but that would right. not be a problem. So you are a, a pro-life person. Uh, you've held these beliefs for a long time. I can tell the audience that. You're not like Joe Biden who switches around, you know, whenever the wind blows. You are a confirmed pro-life person. Okay. Now, on the gun front, uh, this is interesting, some heavy research into this. Um, South Dakota ranks seventh in the lowest amount of homicides in the country. Seventh, okay? You have uh, no state law required to possess a shotgun, rifle, or handgun. So anybody in your state can possess that without a law, without the government even knowing about it. It's staying out of it. But if you want to carry, then you have to get a license. Is that correct? Well, actually, Bill, when I became governor, the very first bill that I signed into law was constitutional carry. So, no, no, they do not have to do that. In fact, this year, because um, it's a priority for me, I waived all fees for any kind of a permit that they might need in the state of South Dakota. In fact, I said that the state of South Dakota would now be paying for people's federal background checks as well. So it'll okay, cost no... So so Anything. our research is incorrect because the research here says is South Dakota research. If it's incorrect, tell me. No person shall carry a pistol concealed in any vehicle concealed on his or her person without a license to carry. And the license is to be issued by the sheriff of the county involved. That's not the law now? No, in 2019, the very first bill I signed as governor was constitutional. Knocked it out. Okay. Yep. You know, I can't blame my staff. It's 19 COVID then came in and my fault. I should have checked it. Okay. So you have very liberal gun carry laws, but you don't have any murders to speak of. Very, very few. Where, you know, you go to Chicago, um, which is a, not an easy drive, but not a bad drive from South Dakota. And they have very strict uh, gun carry, gun possession laws, and they got unbelievable amount of homicides. What's the, why? What's the difference? Well, I appreciate the honest conversation, Bill. I think it's refreshing that that that's really what we need to be talking about is do more gun laws really lower violence and, and rates of occurrence in many of these states? And that's just not true. So the conversation that Congress has been having and by passing this bill, I love the fact that they're focusing on mental health and that people are talking about that and and addressing, um, you know, having more resources, but passing more gun laws and restrictions doesn't necessarily translate to less violence. But do and you know why? I mean, I listen, I did Vermont and New Hampshire last night. It's the same situation there. You can carry a gun, you can do whatever you want. They don't have any homicides. But in Chicago, they have all kinds of homicides. And so in New York City as well. Do you know why that's happening? I think it's because those who perpetuate violence don't care about the law. They're going to get a gun. So more criminals in Chicago and New York City than in Pierre, South Dakota or uh, (laughs) Rapid City. Is that that's what you're telling me, right? Definitely our people are happier in South Dakota. They're free to work together. They take care of each other and they have respect for each other. All right. Um, So let's get get on to your book. So you've had a fascinating career, in my opinion. Um, You. were the daughter of a rancher. And uh, I guess you're pretty smart in school. You're doing real well. But then your father died. You had to come home and run the ranch, the farm. Um, And then you got into politics and you served in a house, U.S. House, 211 to 219, then uh, 219 to the president. As you mentioned, you were elected governor of South Dakota. Um, You consider yourself a down-to-earth, middle-class, 
Midwestern gal. Is that correct? I think you nailed it. That's exactly right. Grew up uh, on a ranch uh, and never was interested in government and politics. In fact, we never talked politics in our house. I didn't run for office until I was mad. You know, my dad was killed at the age of 49 in an accident. We got hit with death taxes and I became the general manager of our operation. We were farming thousands of acres, had a big operation. And all of a sudden I owed hundreds of thousands of dollars to the federal government because we had a tragedy. And I decided to start showing up, going to meetings, passionate about tax reform. You remember our U.S. Senator at the time was Tom Daschle. And I started to be a thorn in his flesh and talk about federal policies. And eventually uh, people recruited me to run for office. Yeah, so fascinating I, story. All right. Yeah. So you, the book is titled Not My First Rodeo, Lessons from the Heartland. Give me one of the most important lessons that you write about in the book. I guess it's the lesson of don't complain about things, fix them. You know, we had a world full of complainers and then they sit at home and don't ever do anything to make the situation better. We need more doers in this world today. My dad consistently said, Christy, we don't complain about things, we fix them. That's the only reason I'm in the job that I'm doing today is it's really hard to expect a lot out of leaders when I'm not willing to step up and into the fire at the same time. So that's pretty, pretty important advice. And Bill, I think we're crippling our children in this country. We, yeah, there's a lot of whiners. I mean, I yeah. got, ur I got urchins and they, you know, they got, they're minoring and whining in college yeah. now. Um, it's a, a very popular uh, minor, by the way. And now I'm going to ask you the toughest question you get all day. Are you ready for it? I hope so. Okay. Listen. So you served in the House of Representatives for eight years. Do you respect Nancy Pelosi? No. I knew her very well, watched her and watched. I mean, she's a powerful woman. I guess I can respect the fact that she uses the tools available, but she follows no rules. She She doesn't protect this country. It's very difficult to respect someone that you can't trust. Okay, Governor, as always, a very straight interview. That's why we like you. You're welcome anytime on this program. The book, once again, Not My First Rodeo, Lessons from the Heartland, out today. I hope you do very well with it. Thank you for helping us out. Today. Thank you. All right, July 4th weekend coming up. Okay, you traveling? I hope you're not. But uh, 48 million Americans will travel 50 miles or more from home. Most by car, that's smart, even though the gas prices are high, you don't want to go to the airport, but 3.5 million Americans are going to the airport. Ooh, 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 ooh. Now, even the pilot, I shouldn't say even, the pilots, American pilots know that this is a catastrophe. And in Delta's situation, they are demonstrating against Delta. They want another contract, a new contract. They don't like Delta. They don't like what Delta's doing. So their Airline Pilots Association says Delta pilots uh, are out on their off days picketing. Now, our go-to guy on U.S. Airlines is Paul Hudson. He has been on before, uh, most notably in April when I had to confront JetBlue on their dishonesty. And I thought it was fraud in the inducement um, by charging me money for a plane they knew were, wasn't going to take off. Anyway, uh, Mr. Hudson was nice enough to talk to us then. He's back, and he has just spoken to the Department of Transportation in Washington, D.C., from where he joins us. So what was that all about, Paul? Well, we had a, a meeting regarding um, passenger information, but um, to bring 
his, to your, your point, we are also asking the Secretary of Transportation to take some affirmative actions to uh, ameliorate the delays. We proposed about 17 different policy moves he could make, and we're hoping he takes action on at least some of them. That's Pete Buttigieg, the affirmative action hire, right? So I got to be honest because I always am honest. I have no faith in Pete Buttigieg. I don't expect you to comment on it because you are trying to get something done, um, and I respect that. You said you um, submitted 17 recommendations that the Transportation Secretary could take to stop the airline chaos. Give me two of the biggest ones, please. Well, the, the biggest problem seems to be lack of pilots. Um, he could temporarily raise the rate, the age from 65 to 68, get more pilots. He could allow for uh, foreign pilots, uh, special visas to come in to fill some of the gaps. He could cause uh, the pay to be raised for uh, the new pilots, they get vastly underpaid. And as a result, they're not going to the airlines, they're going to private jet fleets. Let me, let me stop you there. Places. So the Department of Transportation can mandate what private airlines pay their pilots? They could, they could do it through the FAA as, as a safety measure. Safety um, measure, okay. Some of these pilots are, are getting paid less than McDonald's when it comes down to it. It's crazy. Uh, how People about don't fines? realize it. How about fines? I, my, my, and you're much more of an expert than I am. Um, and by the way, Paul's uh, website where you should go is flyersrights.org, flyersrights.org. Uh, what about fines? So Buttigieg has the power to fine the airlines if, as in my case, uh, they kept hundreds of people waiting for five hours. The plane was at the gate. They kept telling people it was weather, which was not true. Another flight going in the same place took off. Um, Buttigieg can find them. Did you recommend that he do that? Well, we recommend for a long time that they enforce the existing regulations, which they rarely do. If an airline um, schedules a flight and takes your money, knowing that they're not going to be able to fly it, that, that's fraud. They could be fined, I think, up to about $55,000 per passenger. Wow. But they don't do it. Why don't they do it? Uh, they've never done it. And um, in general, they take one to three years to do an investigation, and the fines are always negotiated. The bureaucracy, right? So to Friday, Jan uh, July 1st, uh, is the busiest uh, travel day of the summer. And what do you expect to happen? Well, we really don't know. The airlines say that they've got it better under control. Um, the FAA says they have their air traffic controllers better under control. We'll have to see. But uh, the last few weekends, things have been getting steadily worse. And the pilots um, are seconding that. All right. Paul, thanks very much. Again, flyersrights.org, and uh, we appreciate your good work on behalf of the American people. Paul is trying to help us all, and we should give him credit for that. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the USA? With more than 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers. I have their trees and plants at my home, and they're fantastic. 
Have you had your fair share of landscaping woes and wasted weekends at crowded nurseries? Finding fast-growing trees will be like stumbling upon a hidden treasure, believe me. With fast-growing trees, it's different. From fruit trees to houseplants, they have it all delivered right to your doorstep. Plus, their plant experts are always available for advice. And here's the best part. This spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And my audience can get an extra 15% off by using promo code BILL at checkout. So please go to FastGrowingTrees.com. Use promo code BILL at checkout. So the Supreme Court ruled 6-3 to three that New York State's concealed weapon law is unconstitutional. And they threw it out. Six to three, here's who voted for it. Roberts, Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Barrett, and Alito. Okay, five of those are conservatives. Roberts is, I don't know what Roberts is, but those are the six. Voting against are the avowed liberal wing, Breyer, Sotomayor, Kagan. So New York's carry law vanishes. Oh, hysterical. Biden's hysterical. Hochul, the governor, is hysterical. The view later. Oh, 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 there's so many murders and so many shootings in schools. Ah. This is such a fraud, I can't even begin to tell you. Number one, in order to even purchase a handgun legally in New York or have one in your home, You have to go through extensive background checks. If you have anything on your record, including driving violations, the state will hold up your right to buy the gun. You can't buy the gun if you have anything on your record at all. And even if you're clean, like me, if I went in to buy a gun, I have to wait three months to get a permit, and the state of New York will demand that I take a firearms training class. It's another two months. So you just can't go in like you can in Virginia and North Carolina and buy a gun in New York State and take it home. You can't do it. It's impossible. And that kind of a restrictive situation means that no criminal can get their hands legally on a firearm in New York State. Same thing in California. It's almost impossible to get the permit. It takes forever. So these people who are lying, and it's just flat out lie. Oh, the criminals are now going to be able to carry the gun. No. If you have an unlicensed gun on you in New York State and the cops pull you over, that's you charged with a crime. Now, They're not going to enforce the law, especially if you are a a drug gang member. You probably won't even get charged if you have an illegal gun on you. This is so hypocritical. okay? but if you're carrying a firearm concealed and you don't have a license for that. It's a felony. In some places. All right. So the whole thing is is emotional. Just like Roe v. Wade, what they say to you isn't true. 
All this does is give law-abiding citizens, like me and you probably, the right to carry in situations where we feel we are in danger. That's all it does. It doesn't give loons more of an opportunity to buy. If you have a psychiatric beef on your sheet, you're never going to get a gun in New York and California and most other liberal states, ever. And again, I'll reinforce this point. The criminals don't go through this system. They buy on the street. Here's Governor Hochul. Go. Absolutely shocking that they have taken away our right to have reasonable restrictions. We can have restrictions on speech. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. But somehow there's no restrictions allowed on the Second Amendment. No restrictions, madam. I'll yell something in the theater. You're a dunce. You are a deceiver. You don't tell the truth. No restrictions on the Second Amendment. That's a lie. Flat out lied in front of the whole state. Let's bring in a guy who knows a lot more about this than I do. Arthur Adala is a criminal defense attorney in New York. He's seen about as many gun crimes as any human being has ever seen. There's a radio show called the Adala Power Hour on 970 AM in New York City. All right. Am I wrong? Did I make any mistakes in this? Well, you didn't make a mistake by saying this is a very emotional issue. You know, you played Governor Hochul's uh, press conference. The mayor of the city of New York already had a press conference, although he crafted it a little better in terms of from a law enforcement point of view. He said with the police commissioner on his side, this put this puts police officers at risk because the more guns that are out on the street, the more likely that a police officer is going to confront someone who is either very heated, agitated in a domestic violence circumstance, uh, who may take out a, a weapon that they normally wouldn't take, because it may be a law-abiding citizen, typically, who's now in a very intense situation, and they fire a weapon. But let's talk about the, the well, actual... Let me, stop, let me stop you there. That law-abiding citizen, if they have a permit to carry, has already gone through the system. They just can't take right. it outside. Well, right? they couldn't take it outside, but today's ruling now says they can take it okay, outside. Okay, but what difference does it make? If you're in a domestic situation, you already have a gun in the house, do you not? If you're, well, if you're yes, clean. You so this you could also just... be in a domestic situation outside of a Broadway theater, which I happened to see last night. Uh, walking home, I saw okay, a husband okay, and I come presume on. screaming at each other. Look, now, let's just talk about the law, Bill. I'll stick to the law. You stick to the ramifications of the law. The person who's smiling down from above is Justice Scalia. Uh, anyone who knows me a little bit knows I had an excellent relationship with him. And uh, the decision of which he was the proudest was the Heller decision, which is the decision that now Justice Thomas, who was maybe Justice Scalia's closest friend on the bench, uh, he wrote this decision, the Bruin decision, and they're relying on Heller because the Heller decision interprets the 27 words in the Second Amendment as saying, you know, I, I don't... Scalia said, I'm not buying this whole, you can only have a weapon if you're part of a militia. That's it. He parsed every one of those 27 words and what they meant at the time of the writing of the Bill of Rights. And he said, it means that you could bear arms, means you could carry a weapon and Scalia limited to inside your home. And now Thomas took it to outside the home. 
And although you play that clip with Hochul saying, you know, you can't scream uh, fire in a movie theater, the Justice Thomas ends the decision saying you don't have to go to the government to uh, ask for your First Amendment rights to be used or for your Sixth Amendment rights to confront confront uh, witnesses against you. You shouldn't have to go to the government for the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is not a second class right. That's right. the ending of let, the whole. Let, let me let, let's walk through this methodically. All right. So all this ruling from the Supreme Court does is give people in. New York, California, there are other states, Maryland, Massachusetts, Massachusetts New Jersey. Rhode Island. All it does is it's, if you can get a concealed carry permit, not easy, which is why Hoka lied. So to know, I know now we're not going to have any Second Amendment restraints. BS. Not easy to well, get that. But well, Bill, the state but, had, but, wait, 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 wait. The state has to give it to you if you submit paperwork to say, I need this, all right, because of this. It's a reasonable request. If somebody comes in and they have a domestic battery on their sheet, counselor, they're not going to get the right to carry in any state and you know it. That, well, that is, that is correct. That's when Hochul said she's going to call a special session to put that in. But I think if, if Arthur Idala just walks in today, I wasn't able to say yesterday, look, I'm a defense attorney. I piss a lot of people off. I do a radio show. I piss people off there. I leave my office at midnight. I'm afraid I want a gun. I would have definitely a hundred percent been denied. According to this ruling, I should not now be denied. I well, should be shouldn't denied. Be as, denied. As, you shouldn't be. It's insane well, to deny someone like you in the public eye who makes enemies the right to protect himself. That's insane. Well, Don't you Supreme see that? Court just agreed with you. The Supreme Court just agreed with you. But let me play devil's advocate and talk a little bit about Justice Breyer's dissent. Justice Breyer, who's been on the court a very long time, he, this is his, one of his last decisions, and dissents are very important. Um, you know, he said in, in Justice Thomas's 63-page decision, he never says the word subway once. There are certain unique circumstances and parts of Manhattan are there, are, are one of those where, uh, and even Justice uh, uh, Thomas says there should be special zones where you shouldn't be able to carry a weapon. I believe Thomas cites school, inside school buildings yeah, that, and inside good. government buildings right. and places Public of worship. Public safety, absolutely. But look, my contention on this firearm stuff is very simple because I'm a simple man. You've known me for many years. Law-abiding Americans have a constitutional right to protect themselves with a firearm, period. And governments, state, local, federal, they have a right to impose laws that protect the public safety. But not when they know that the criminal element does not go through the system to arm itself. They go outside. So what all these lefties would do would ban you and me and every other law-abiding American from carrying a pistol, but would allow all the criminals to have firearms. That makes sense to you, Counselor? Well, it makes sense to me, and, and I think this is on sound legal ground based on precedent of the Supreme Court, which we could talk a second now about Roe v. Wade because now they're throwing precedent out, but based on the precedent of the Heller decision written by Scalia and the McDonald decision, this follows the normal course. 
stepping outside the law as a New Yorker, what I'm afraid of, Bill, is the law-abiding citizen who has some sort of an altercation and takes out that weapon to shoot A and winds up shooting C and D. You know, I believe the statistic... Look, all right, that's fine, and that'll happen. But what about the citizen who protects his own life and his family when... Do you know how many violent crimes are committed in New York State last year? Do you know how many? I do not. 37,000 violent crimes. 31 million people. That's out of 21 million people. That's that's more than 100 violent crimes a day in New York State. Okay. So what about the person who saves himself and his family from violence? Okay. You can, you can make the argument there might be, and there will be. All right. Some horrible thing from this concealed carry overturn. I, I will it tell will you this. Negated Bill, by show. the protective aspect. Um, I want to get to Roe v. Wade. And, and people, and and I wait, like just want one thing, Bill. I had the day before yesterday, I had the chief of the Detective Endowment Association on my show. And then yesterday, I had a retired detective on my show. I will tell you, they're not thrilled with everyone walking around with guns and even the law abiding citizens walking they're around with guns. They're entitled to their opinion. I'm not thrilled. There are 37,000 violent crimes in my state every year. I'm not thrilled. And I know the police are reactive, not proactive, counselor. And so do you, because that's how you make your living. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day, and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before, and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Okay, this is a horrible story. Uh, I'm going to tell you this, and you're not going to believe it, but it's absolutely true. The Tulare County, that is a county between Fresno and Bakersfield, California. All right. So police arrest Jose Zendejas and Benito Madrigal. All right. Both men are from the United States, but we believe work for the Mexican drug cartels. They find in the possession of Jose and Benito 150,000 fentanyl pills. 
enough to kill several million people. 150,000 fentanyl pills. They are arrested and booked into the Tulare County pretrial facility on charges of possession, transportation, and selling of illegal drugs. Okay? They let them go with no bail. The woman who did it is named Mickey Versi, V-E-R-I-S-S-I-M-O, Tulare County Court Commissioner. She ordered them released. No bail. Now, this is madness. This should be a crime, what this woman did. It's not. should be. These people are going to skip. You think those guys are going to show up for their hearing in Tulare County? They're not. They're cartel people. And then when they skip, what happens to Mickey? Put Mickey's picture up there again. I want everybody to see what she looks like. What happens to her? 150,000 fentanyl pills? And you let them out with no bail? And you know they're going to skip? This is madness. This is California. And Tulare County, that's not San Francisco or L.A. That's in the central part of the state. Nancy Pelosi goes to the Vatican, throw it on up. She's the Pope, uh, all friendly, everybody's happy. Uh, Pope Francis, uh, Nancy, Nancy's husband. And then Nancy receives communion in, at Mass that uh, the Pope is saying. <sighs> all right, now I gotta be careful here. So, as I've stated, I think Pope Francis is a good man. I am ashamed of him in this circumstance. And it pains me. My family has been Roman Catholic for centuries. Okay? Now, I am not making a judgment on Nancy Pelosi's private religious behavior. I am not qualified to do that. I would never do it. But according to canon law of the Roman Catholic Church, abortion procuring one, that's the canon law statute, procuring, is evil, and if you do it, you are excommunicated from the church. You are no longer a member of the church if you have an abortion. Now, you can be forgiven in the confessional, sacrament of penance, but if you are assisting, like the doctor, or helping with abortions, you are also in grave sin, as the San Francisco Archbishop Cordleone said when banning Nancy Pelosi from receiving communion in her hometown. Pope Francis embarrasses the Archbishop of San Francisco by taking no action and actively knowing she's going to receive communion and allowing her in St. Peter's. Now, the message this sends to everyone, not just Catholics, is all right, we, we're saying abortion's evil and a mortal sin, and we're saying all that. It is the law of the church, but, yeah, you know, uh, we're, we're not really uh, serious about it, are we? Very disappointing. Okay, the Pentagon's going to uh, continue to provide abortions to women who work 
for the Defense Department whose lives are at risk or have been raped by the victims of incest in pregnancies. So I don't think that's going to go up against the Supreme Court ruling, but the DOD pays for those abortion and will continue, they say. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine, enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to the Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here is the final thought of the day. So as you know, Killing the Killer is massive success. Uh, number one, uh, everywhere and hanging tough. Almost two months in a marketplace. So Killing the Killer is supposed to be out last year. But COVID, as I told you, we couldn't get the books printed. So it had to come out in May. But I had another book already to go. So the publisher, because Killing the Killer has done so well, they got, want to get out the next book in time for the Christmas season. So September 27th, you will see, drumroll please, Killing the Legends, okay? The Lethal Danger of Celebrity. The Lethal Danger of Celebrity, Killing the Legends. It's about Elvis Presley. It's about John Lennon. It's about... Muhammad Ali. This is popular history. Okay. All three of those men, Elvis, Lennon, Ali, influenced our society. All three of them were manipulated. It was unbelievable what happened to all three of them. And it was almost eerie in the similarity. We tie it all together. Book begins with Elvis Goes to Lenin, Ali is the third. It's boom, boom, boom. You're going to be, your eyes are going to go like this. Now, I know I'm going to get he go, oh, this isn't really history. It is. It is history. It's popular history, societal history. And it's important that people know that even though you're on top of the world, powerful, celebrity, wealthy, famous, everything, you can get devastated. And how these three guys did get devastated, I mean, it's one of these. Because when we researched it, I knew that all three of them met their demise in, in a bad way. I knew that, but I didn't know what happened to them behind the scenes. Because the tabloid press never tells you the truth. This is not a tabloid book, by the way. This is a real methodical examination of uh, three very famous people who had an impact on everybody all over the world, all three all over the world, not just the USA, and what was really happening to them during the process. And what do you hear? What do you see? Elvis, I open with Viva Las Vegas. That's how we open the Elvis uh, part of the book. <laughs> you have no idea. And Ali, I open in Manila, the thriller in Manila. And John Lennon, we opened with the last album being recorded by the Beatles and what was going on there. 
So this book, again, will be out on September 27th, um, Killing the Legends, The Lethal Danger of Celebrity. And I think you will like your pre-order on BillOReilly.com. Get it first. And we have put the um, press release on the website. You can read the whole thing. And I hope you will consider it. Thank you for watching and listening to the No Spin News. See you tomorrow.